0: Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out, or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome
1: to what is going to be another exciting week here on Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's bloody hot down here in the South, but uh, uh, we're going to start this show off a little bit unorthodox. I, you know, I really haven't ever done that. We always have a guest on the show, but but we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually going live and on location at two uh, great events that are going on in the state of Illinois Um, The first is the uh, World English Sporting Clays Championship, and and I I know she doesn't have a lot of time. It's being held up at Northbrook Sports Club. I want to welcome to the show Julia Gilman. Gilman, Julia is uh, kind of the event coordinator, so you can bet she has got more than her hands full. Julia, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Marty. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here.
1: Well, you know, I had, I had Brett Siebert, the, the GM of, of your, your facility, on, you know, a, a couple of months ago, and we talked at length about what's going on at the World English, but, you know, here it is. I mean, boy, you've got 1,100-plus shooters from 19 yes. countries all over you doing all sorts of things. So uh, how are things going?
2: Things are going great, and here it is, is just about as accurate of a description as you can get. Um, we had sponsors and vendors rolling in last Sunday. Um, you know the club was it was buzzing, but it wasn't electrified yet Monday, Tuesday, and then this morning, the whole energy of the club was just so different and what's so cool about the environment here at Northbrook right now is we've got a lot of new opportunities for these shooters that we're trying to open up the industry to and get the industry some more traction. Uh, for example, we have our Krieghoff Longbird qualifier that we opened up today. Um, and Roddy, I wish you could have been here. You would have just adored the energy that these shooters are putting into trying to qualify to have the opportunity to contest for the Guinness World Records longest clay pigeon ever shot. We have the opportunity to bring in a Guinness adjudicator this Saturday, and they are going to uh, recognize. And we're going to have an official attempt to shoot the longest clay pigeon shot ever, ever attempted. That, so that's so going to be wild. It is, it is, and we've got some of the greatest shots here in, in the world, you know, sometimes it's only the country, but we've got them, we've got them all here, um, we've got five of our past World English Champions, including uh, Richard Falls, Ben Hustways, uh, we've got Derek Mine here with us, he's a phenomenal shot, so we've really got the best shooters in the sporting clay industry here with us today, and like I keep saying, that energy is just incredible coming from these shooters.
1: Well, I've looked at I've looked at some of the scores that are already posted on WinScore Online, and uh, uh, you know, when when you start seeing the, in the prelim, you've got some guys that are that are nobody shot a hundred yet, but you've got a whole bunch of scores above ninety five. You got some ninety eights up there, and I'm going to tell you something. You know, for people that shoot sporting clays, uh, you know, on a on a regular basis, you know, trying to trying to, to shoot a ninety eight on a a true tournament course is a real feat but you, as you said you've got the best of the best now the the world record thing i think the you know it, it's a hundred and whatever yards you know i've actually seen some things where some guys said oh we, you know we shot one in 130 yards but they're using they're using duck loads you know number five lead right well, then, exactly this is not that this exactly. has got to be a regular no. clay target load is that correct
2: it does and that's kind of what sets our sets us unique a little bit from what everyone else has been doing. You can scroll through Facebook and look on YouTube, you know, world's longest shot and some people have been claiming to hit that one thirty mark, but you know, when you start using competition loads, you gotta be so precise. You know, for example I had Doug Vine with me this morning, he was he we was standing watching the longboard qualifier get started and he was chit chatting with me and he steps in that hundred yard hoop and I mean just bam's that target. So Doug's a phenomenal shot that we have with us. He actually set some of our courses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't stress enough, the talent that we have on this property right now is immense.
1: Well, all I can tell you is if, uh, if, if, if you go out and actually look at a target that's a, a true 100 yards away, it, it looks like a BB off in the distance, it okay. Does. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. a real feat. That's but right. you know, there's so, much, there's so much more going on than 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 the world record shot. I mean, you know, you've got fit you've got all sorts of different uh, uh, gauge competitions, you've got you know ladies' events. I mean, you've got a little bit of everything, right. and and of course Northbrook is known for being able to host really really big shoots. So you know, uh, real quick, uh, uh, what what what's the secret to that, Julia? I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of people wonder, you know, how in the world can you host 1,100 people? And it's not just 1,100 people. It's families on top of the 1,100 people plus the industry. Right.
2: Right. Right. You know, I think the secret to it is we have a phenomenal staff here, and it starts with our general manager, Brett Seibert. His two sons play an an integral part in making this club run 24-7. We have got people that are phenomenal at what they do and – they just can't wait to make this club look as good as it is. Um, You know, it was interesting. I was driving through the club this morning thinking about everything I had to do, and I kind of just stopped and took a moment, and I'm like, this club, really all we had to do to get ready for this shoot was put the infrastructure up. Which, Mm -hmm. As someone who doesn't work at the club all the time, um, I was pretty much just brought in for the World English. And to have a club that to get ready for this caliber of a shoot all you have to do are set your targets and put your tents up that is such a huge feat for your staff and it says so much to the management of the club
1: well there's no question about that i mean i've, I've been, done event management for for shoots for many 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 years i don't do so much of that anymore but i but i certainly did and you know anytime you're you're welcoming and hosting that many people you've got to have things done and speaking of getting things done i'm going to let you go and wish you the very best julia thank you so much i know you've got the official grand opening of the event coming up uh, here very we very do. shortly we better open- so go go enjoy yeah, it and, open- and we'll report next week on uh, on on how everything went in the show thank you so much and good luck the rest of this weekend
2: great thank
1: you marty good night good night Hey, and that's Julia Gilman uh, at Northbrook Sports Club outside of Chicago, and uh, we're going to go south a little bit, and I've got my good buddy John out with the Greeny Cases. John is actually at the 120th Grand American Trap Shooting Championship. Now, this is all trap shooters, and there there are a lot of thousands of those guys down at the World Shooting Complex in Sparta, Illinois. John, are you on the line? I am. How are you doing, Marty? I'm doing great, buddy. And let me tell you something, I, uh, I, I'm, I am more than excited to, to have these live reports. And, you know, you've been there a few days now, and that is, that is like somebody kicked an, kicked an ant nest, you know, with all of the people running around that place where you are. Hey, so really? how, are things go, how are things going there?
3: Things are going great. Uh, today, they, they started off the Clay Target Championship. Um, they've done a lot of prelims and o- high overall and uh, different competitions already since last Wednesday, uh, but today starts off the championship, the main event, uh, which is a 200 singles event. Uh, tomorrow, they start off with the uh, championship doubles and uh, also the prelims for the handicap. Um, and then Saturday, they finish up this Saturday with the Grand American um, Handicap Championship, and, uh, for that event, as many people may know, it's anywhere from 19 to 27 yards, um, where they shoot from the trap house. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, depending on what their average is, is where they shoot. Um, but yeah, they, uh, this is pretty crazy, Marty, but imagine this, uh, during the AIM and the Grand American, they throw over four million play
1: targets. That is truly remarkable. I mean that is, isn't that <laughs> crazy. That is honestly a remarkable number. And you know, the aim that's uh, <laughs> that was all the kids and that was that was before yeah, yeah. this event got started. And uh, you know, boy, they had a they had a bunch of folks uh, you know, young people there, and uh, you know, and, and that to me is just great. You know, with all of the crazy things that are going on this the, in this world with the the, yeah. the mass shootings and all of that stuff, that you know, um, many people don't realize that that clay target shooting is is the fastest growing of all of the sports in the in the high schools. And
3: it is, it is. You it know, is. yeah. And, 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 what I, and what I know about I the mean,
1: game. What's that?
3: The AIM program is the actually the official youth program for the ATA.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and, then and, had, uh, you know, and then they have you know, they have Scholastic Clay Target Program, which yeah. is you know, they had their national yeah. championship here not too long ago, and and of all things, there was a young lady, you know, and I, I made I, I actually posted this on my Facebook page, uh, Grace Marlin, who's 16 years old, was became the <laughs> first female to ever win. The HOA and the trap shooting at, uh, at the SCTP, and, and uh, you know, thousands of kids that participate in that. Oh, I mean, yeah. this little girl, 16 years old, went around 200 straight. Two other guys did, one the defending mm-hmm. champion from the previous year, and this little girl ran. 75 straight more, so she ran 275 in a row, and I mean, if, if you see her picture, she, she looks like a prom queen. She's the prettiest little thing, but uh, <laughs> you know. But that's what we're getting now, and you know, with the AIM people that were there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. last week, and uh, you know, I mean, and there, are, there are a lot of ladies shooting this week, too, so uh, I, I mean, I, I am really excited about the future of the clay target sports. Now, now here, John, Absolutely. here's something I want to run by you. Uh, mm-hmm. The Grand American has got the coolest Vendor Row in the world. Yes, Tell they me do. about Vendor Row, man. I mean, you're there with the Greeny Cases, but I mean, that is like the, a huge sporting goods store that nobody's ever been to.
3: Yeah, I mean, they have um, vendors and, and, and actually our dealers, too, from all over the country, from mm-hmm. California to North Carolina, from Florida, uh, Illinois, Indiana, you know, I mean, if anywhere from Elite Shotguns, uh, which they're in Pennsylvania, and actually down in San Antonio, Texas. I mean, they're covered up everywhere. Dawson Enterprises, Gibson Quality Arms, Gamaliel Shooting Supply, uh, Target Shotguns from North Carolina with Bob Schultz, uh, Dupont Krigoff with Kemble Dupont from Florida. She's here, and uh, Gray Shotgun Cash. I mean, there, there's there's dealers from all sorts of places all over the country, and they come here now to the
1: Yeah, and you, know, and, you, and you read about those. You go in the magazines, and you get the emails and all of that stuff. Well, that's, this is a place where you can actually go talk to those people, and, that, and it's, you, know, you don't have to be a shooter to go there. I mean, I know a lot of people that go just to go on Gender Row.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you have uh, even uh, shotgun companies, uh, makers like uh, Krigoff, uh, Blazer, uh, Zoli, uh, Beretta, Um, even Remington's here showing off ammo, Winchester. Uh, I mean, everyone
1: is here. Well, here's here's the thing. and and I've got to let you go. I'm up. I'm up on a break and I really appreciate your time, but do me a favor. You know, you're a great partner of mine. Uh, Uh, Negrini is a great partner of mine and you know, everybody can't get there to see you if you would. How, do we, how does somebody get in touch with Negrini? I mean, what's that website? I want to make sure people know Negrini? to go there because, boy, what a great yeah. product Negrini makes.
3: Yeah, if you want to travel first class, you head over to negrinicases.com.
1: Well, make no mistake, it's absolutely first class. And, you know, hey, John, thank you so much for your time, buddy. We have we are run Thanks, out of Marty. segment number one. Good luck at the Grand, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks, buddy. Same to you, sir. All right, bye now. Hey, guys, uh, we'll be back after these messages. I've got a great guest coming up, Wes Chester from Shady Acres Retrievers down here in South Georgia, and we're going to talk about getting your hunting dog ready for the hunting season. Stay tuned. Wing and Clay Nation will be back after these messages.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and
4: handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs>
0: tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show.
1: And back we are. And hey, if you're a, a Twitter follower, check us out at twitter.com, WingandClayNation. Facebook, we're facebook.com slash wing and clay radio. And on Instagram, it's Instagram.com slash wing and clay radio. And you know I can't I can't really jump into my sec- my next segment with my buddy Wes Chester from Shady Acres Retrievers without telling you that this segment's gonna be brought to you by the Crushable Vault. You know, we talked about all of those thousands of people that are at those chutes. And I'm gonna tell you something. There are a bunch of them, I promise you, that have got their gun cases protected in those crushable vault products. Do yourself a favor go to crushablevault.com and take a look at what these folks do. They've got a uh, you know some cases that you put your gun cases in that will actually secure in the back of your pickup truck, the back of back of your SAV, SUV or even the back of uh, of your regular family car. So uh, check them out. You don't want your gun cases stolen. And they don't even look like gun cases when you put them in the crushable vault. It just looks like just looks like a regular piece of luggage. Nobody will ever know it was a gun. And one thing's for sure, when you, they put the thief puts his hands on it, it's not going anywhere. Check them out, crushablevault.com. If you like what you see, they've got a promo code there. Uh, type in Marty, and they'll give you a 10% discount off of your order. Crushablevault.com. Okay. I've had this guy waiting and I told him I was going to get with him in the first segment, but we, you know, when you, when you're talking to two people, they have a tendency to, to, to uh, to keep talking which which was okay. But I want to introduce my good buddy, Wes Chester. Now, uh, from shady acres retrievers, uh, Wes is, uh, down around Statesboro, Georgia, where I went to college at Georgia Southern university. I think Wes actually went to, went to school there too. And, um, you know, Wes has got a great operation, and he he works with retrieving dogs, and the retrieving dogs these days are a lot more than retrieving dogs. They also have to be flushing dogs as well when you get into some of these competitions that these folks do. But anyway, Wes,
5: welcome to the show, buddy. It's good to have you. Thank you, Marty. We certainly appreciate the uh, invitation, and uh, we're looking forward to the next little bit.
1: Well, you know, it, it's uh, it, we're getting closer by the day to hunting season. I know, uh, you know, down here in the South, dove season comes in. You know, in some states, September one. You know, uh, in Georgia this year, I think it's September seventh, uh, because of uh, how Labor Day falls. But, uh, uh, you know, and and a lot of guys, a lot of guys that listen to this show have hunting dogs and you know I, I dare say it a lot of guys have got hunting dogs that are still sitting in the kennels, you know getting getting fed handsomely and uh, and all of a sudden they're going to want to take them out opening day of dove season and it's going to be 95 degrees and you know bad things can happen. so you know what 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 should they be what should they be doing now with their dog? I mean, if they haven't done a lot, hopefully they have, but if they haven't done a lot, what's what can we do now?
5: Marty. That's a great, great question because we see it every single year. Um, first of all, let me tell you that a dog is just like a person. And I may say that a million times before we are finished today. But a dog can get acclimated to the heat. Mm-hmm. So if you take your dog, you need to start working him right now, um, short periods of time. You know, you can throw him marks, you can work on his obedience, but he needs to be acclimated to the heat before that opening day of dove season. You know, here in Georgia, the dove season, that first day on the seventh, it doesn't start till 12 noon. Right. And if it's anything like today, it's gonna be ninety eight <laughs> degrees at twelve noon on opening day. It does, and you know what? There's a good um,
1: chance that it will be exactly like that. Exactly I mean, right. you That's know, exactly the, the early right. sep- early September is hotter than the, you know, than the gates of Hades, man. I mean, it, it really is. But it's that way, you know, all over. I mean, you know, the, it you is. know, we, we, you know, I don't care where you are. When you get up in the middle of the day in late summer. It's just going to be some of the hottest temperatures that you're going to have the whole season. So, uh, you, you know, getting those dogs acclimated, and, and you know, and a big thing, uh, and I think almost everybody does it. They know to take water and stuff like that. But, but what what many folks don't realize, a dog actually sweats through his tongue. You know, so it does, sometimes it tongue. doesn't look that's like, yeah, doesn't really look like. That's his, that's You know, like he's sweating a lot, but he is, he's losing that water, you know,
5: out of his mouth and it has to be replenished. That's correct. You know, we take, well, you see everybody take water for the dogs. A lot of people, you know, some things we can do is we can sit in the shade, you know, maybe we only let the dog go get every other bird until the weather gets cooler or or the dog, you know, gets acclimated and gets into shape. And, you know, you can start that, Marty, by, you know, just taking the dog for a walk. I mean, I wouldn't take a dog that's been sitting in the kennel, you know, since last duck season and start throwing him long marks or throwing him long marks in the water. You know, a dog can overheat in the water quicker than he can overheat on the land.
1: Well, what's crazy, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, yeah. down here in the South, mm-hmm. and it's not that way everywhere, but here in the South, water is not always cold. I mean, yeah, and, you know, you when, when it's hot, hot, water. hot. I mean, think about the ocean temperatures. I mean, you know, <clears throat> you know, down here in, you know, off Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and, you know, North Carolina, I mean, they'll give you the ocean readings, and that's the reason those hurricanes are, you know, so prevalent down in the Gulf. I mean, the water this time of year up around the the beach is, you know, 85, 88 degrees. I mean, you
5: know, that's (laughs) that's not very cold. That's correct. And you get a farm pond, a small small farm pond, and, you know, the upper foot of that water in there, close to 90 degrees, and you've got a dog doing a lot of swimming, and that water has encased his body. He cannot dissipate that heat. Right. And he can overheat in the water just as quick or quicker than he can on the land. So, you know, start that dog short, you know, throw marks for the dog, you know, work on his obedience, get him in some kind of shape before you take him out that first day.
1: Absolutely. Well, I wanna, I, and I want to I talk to you a little bit about the obedience side of things, because I can tell you, uh, you know, I've had some, some really, really good Labrador retrieving dogs that, that were my personal hunting dogs. And the one thing that I that I found out early on, if I couldn't control that dog within 10 feet of my body, I certainly couldn't control him once he got out there chasing after a bird. And that, you know, I'm sure everybody listening to this show that's been been in, a, in some type of dove field situation has, has seen, you know, some guy yelling and screaming and calling his dog every name in the book and, and using profanity that <laughs> would get a lot of bleeps on this show. But, you know, in reality... If if that's the case, that's not the dog's fault.
5: So, no, that's not the dog's yeah. fault at all, Marty. And you know, to add one more thing to that, you know, they can't control the dog, so they go and buy an e collar, and they put the e collar on the dog, and they don't know how to use the e collar. The dog's never been conditioned to an e collar. Right. And you know, he's not listening to what they say, and they're just mashing buttons, and it gets worse and worse. And that's the quickest way to ruin a dove hunt. That, that, that I know. I mean, I just can't stand it. I won't put up with it. I, I'll just have to get up and move or leave when you've got a guy working on a dog like that. Marty, obedience is is very crucial to everything that we do in the retriever world. And it's not a hard thing to do because I don't care if we're training a English cocker who's a flusher or a a gun dog who just picks up wood ducks on the weekend or we got a hunt, retriever, champion, master, hunter, we teach them three basic commands. And that's it, three. Mm -hmm. Here, when I call you, you need to be coming to me. Heal, that means you get on my left side and you go with me, or that's where you sit and wait till I give you another command, and sit. Now, and we've taken the word stay completely out of the dog's vocabulary because when I tell you to sit, that means you stay there until I give you another command, whether that's uh-huh. to go retrieve a bird or run a blind retrieve or whatever it is. And those three simple commands um, can be worked on. I mean, we start puppies at 14 weeks old working on those three commands. Uh-huh. It's all treat training. But by the time that dog's six months old, he is very proficient in those three commands. And now we can carry on his training, whether it's running Mark's, or you know, whatever it is, he is a very obedient dog with those three commands.
1: Well and that's uh, you, you are you are just so so absolutely right. You know and, and I you know you and I have talked in the past and I've spent a lot of time around professional dog trainers in my lifetime because I've had dogs, I've had field trial dogs, I've I've had, you know, uh, mostly hunting retriever dogs once we got into to that because you know, I had a I had a dog before they started the hunting retriever program, uh, who who was running, you know, in the AKC, the big stuff. You know, where where they're throwing four hundred yard marks and all of that. Well, that you know, that's not real really realistic for hunting. But the but the hunt tests today are about as close as you can get without actually hunting.
5: No, it is Marty, and it's a it's a great opportunity. For us that are in the hunt test world and play the hunt test game, I mean, we we run our first hunt test in two weeks. We're going up to North Carolina, and Mm -hmm. our dogs have been picking up birds all summer long. They're in great shape. Um, You know, it's just an extension of the season for us. Um, It allows us to continue these dogs working. So, you know, that first day of duck season or that first day of dove season, it's just another training station for them.
1: Right. Well, and they're um, ready. And that's, <clears throat> and that's the thing. I mean, you know, a dog that, that sits in that kennel and doesn't do the things that like you're talking about. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I mean, a dog has a has a brain, too, you know, and, <laughs> you know, if once he gets away from being controlled he could do literally anything you know and you don't really know and and you know you alluded to it earlier I mean the first thing a lot of guys do is they go buy up an electronic collar and put it on the dog and, and then and you know without the conditioning to, to where the dog understands what the collar is or what it means. And the first thing they do is turn the turn the frequency up as, as high as it'll go and the dog's off and the and, and guy pushes on the button and the dog gets popped. And he doesn't even know why.
5: He has no and, clue. You know, you know the, 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 the e-collar is probably the, one of the most misunderstood things in, in dog training. We don't teach a dog anything with an e-collar. You right. do not teach a dog anything. You use an e-collar to reinforce what the dog already knows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just can't strap that collar on and, and start mashing buttons. That's the quickest way to ruin a dog that there is. Um, well, I,
1: I, I know, agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and you know, and when we say c- collar condition, that, you know, that that's a, it's a progressive program a process that you go through so that the dog understands it to to the point that, you know, you're not ever harming the dog. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, electronic collar that's the worst thing in the world. But in all honesty, when a dog is properly conditioned, it's probably the best training tool known to man.
5: No, it is. You know, when people ask me all the time. You know, why do you hunt? And take, for instance, my girl Teal. Teal's eight years old. She's a hunt retriever champion. She's a master hunter. She's got a grand pass. And she wears that e-collar every time we go hunting. And I tell this story. These guys were, were goose hunting in an industrial park site where they were just getting ready to build some buildings. And the, the contractor had overseeded all their grading with Japanese millet and the Canadian geese were flocking in there. So they set up on the Canadian geese. Geese come in, they shoot some down, and they wing one that is flying away about three foot off the ground, and the dog is after him. And the guy's yelling at the dog, and he's blowing the whistle, and this dog is getting closer and closer to this goose, and he can't make the dog stop. Well, he bumps him with the e-collar. The dog immediately stops, returns to him before he crosses the road in the traffic, following a wounded goose.
1: Well, so and that's, that's a great story. I Listen, mean, we're going to we need to pick up on that. I need to take a break. You know, that's a bad thing about uh, about live radio. Wes. we've got to take a break, and when we do, we'll pick up on that story because I I, I promise you, it's got a great ending, folks. Stay tuned, Westchester of Shady Acres Retrievers, and I will be right back after these messages.
6: Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio.
4: News. News. Opinion. News. Opinion.
0: Are tuned into to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show.
1: Wow, and back we are. And, you know, uh, when we had to take that break, I was I was talking to Wes Chester, Shady Acres Retrievers, and, uh, and he was telling a story, and I've seen this happen, you know, you you wound a bird, and and off the bird goes, and it's three or four feet off the ground, and and it's just it can't get any altitude, but it's it's got enough life that it can continue to go, and and a dog, you know, is you know it, his instinct is to is to retrieve that bird, so he's going to follow that bird, and you know, and, and, and until he can't follow it anymore and Wes you know pick up on the story because I, I got a sneaky feeling you're talking about maybe getting close to a road or something like that considering that we were you know you were uh, where you said the hunting was taking place
5: that's correct Marty there, you know in that industrial site you know you've got highways and roads around that industrial site and that goose was getting closer and closer to the road and that dog was not giving up that retrieve he knew he was fixing to get that bird and the guy could not stop him So he picks up his e collar and mixing with his e-collar and kind of brought the dog back to reality and was able to stop him before the goose and the dog got into the road. You know, that's just one of those birds we gotta let go. Because you know what,
1: otherwise, you could stand there and blow that whistle and you know, until you're hyperventilated and passed out. Because the dog you know, his job is to get the bird. At least correct. that's what He's he thinks. And I mean, you can yell mouth. and you can scream and you can do all of that, all you want to, but that's not necessarily going to stop that dog. <clears throat> so that conditioning, that training conditioning that that the dog had, you know, could have very well saved that dog's life in the long run. Because Absolutely. you know, uh, once you get out around those roads and all of that stuff, it 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 can be a lot of a lot of trouble. But you know, you you've seen great dogs. I I I, I had a, a an old. Uh, trainer that, uh, that that did some work with some of my dogs years ago, uh, a guy named Rip McGahee. And Rip, Rip's expertise was was taking puppies and getting them prepared to go to a trainer. And, you know, a lot of folks uh, say they're going to get a, a, a dog. So they're going to get, well, it's an AKC registered dog. Well, you know what, Wes, I, I think... That has some meaning, but it doesn't have as much meaning as a lot of people think. I mean, so talk to me a little bit about if, if, if somebody called you and said, if I want to buy a puppy. What, you know, what direction do I need to go in? You know, if you're a, a real hunter and, and, you know, some people may want to uh, have the dog in competition. Other people may just want the dog to be, a, to, to be a, a hunting companion. Of course, the competition dogs can be both. But, you know, if if you're picking a puppy – Guide me through the process of, of what I should look for.
5: Marty, you have opened up yourself I to do four, <laughs> four more shows right here. We've got enough information I'll here. Bet do I four did. shows for you. Um, it when people call and they're looking for a dog, and and I don't care if it's a family pet, if it's just gonna be a gun dog, or if it's gonna be a competition dog, the very, very first thing that I ask them is to make sure you get a puppy from health tested parents. Mm
6: -hmm.
5: Now the health testing is something new that has come about in the last 10 or so years because we bred these dogs to be so good. And the genes in these dogs have started mutating. And we have things like exercise induced collapse. We have um, uh, degenerative mouth boppy, I can't even say the word but there's several different genetic disorders that these dogs can have and you can save yourself a lot of heartache down the road by buying from a litter that they have tested the mom and they have tested the dad and they know that they are not passing any of these deadly diseases onto the puppies. Mm-hmm. So let's just take EIC, exercise-induced collapse. We know if that puppy has it when it's born. We can test the blood. We can test the claws when they're removed, and we know that that dog's got EIC. We didn't test the parents, so we didn't know that they passed it on. But let's just say we don't know that that puppy's got EIC. And we buy them, and we paid $7, 8 900 even $1,000 for the puppy because the parents were really good. They're really good-looking dogs. And we send that dog to a trainer and we've spent thousands of dollars and he is a wonderful, great dog. He'll do anything we ask him to do. Now the EIC that he has doesn't, the symptoms do not show up until that dog's around two years old. So he gets to be two and you take him to his dove, a dove hunt in September and he gets excited and he gets really hot. And all of a sudden your dog can't walk anymore. His back end just quits working. And you're thinking, what's wrong with my dog? You take him to the vet, have all the tests done, you found out your dog had EIC after spending thousands of dollars on the price of the puppy, the training, the vet bills, the food, not to mention the love that your family has gotten attached to this dog, and now he's got EIC and you can't hunt him anymore. Wow! So just make sure the first question you ask a breeder is, has the parents been health tested? And if they have, can I see the results? Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, now now so listen, <clears tested throat> and that's level. something
1: that's actually even new to me because that, you know, that stuff, you know, 10, 15 years ago didn't exist. Now, the other thing, so it, uh, you know, large breed dogs, you know, like labs or goldens or, you know, uh, even some of the some of the bigger dogs. Uh, Pointing dogs, flushing dogs, things like that, uh, have a tendency to have uh, hip dysplasia. You know, that's uh, that's, that's a part of. A, you know, that's another thing that you have to look for. And so, uh, you know, where do you go there? I mean, what you know, you get an OFA certification, whether it's going to be fair or good or excellent or something like that. If you don't have that, that's buyer beware.
5: No, absolutely, and that that is included in the health testing process, so mm-hmm. you can pay a couple of three laboratories throughout the United States. It's about 250 bucks. They will send you a set of swabs. You swab the dog's mouth. They take that DNA from the saliva of the dog's mouth, and they can test them for all these genetic disorders. Then wow. you take the mom and the dad. Once they're two years old, the growth mm-hmm. plates have closed in their bones. You can take them and have their hip x rayed. The x-rays are sent to the OFA, Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. A team of three vets looks at those hip x-rays. They evaluate them, and they give them a score. And we're looking for good or better, excellent hips. Mm -hmm. Now, does that give you a 100% chance that your dog's not going to have hip issues? No, it doesn't. But it sure may, especially if you look at that pedigree, In the last three or four years, that all the dogs in that pedigree have got good or better hips. You know your probability of getting a dog with good hips is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, because the genes do pass along. That's correct. But we do know for sure that the genetic testing, if the parents are clear of these diseases and genetic disorders, that the puppies will not have them. So just ask that question to the breeder. Hey, has the dog been health tested, and can we see the paperwork? Marty, there's well, bad people in and, the dog and, world. Yeah, if now here's, here's, here's the place. flip
1: side of that. Okay, so we've got all of that stuff done. Uh, we've got a litter. Everything looks really, really good. Uh, a lot of times they just <clears throat> ship you a dog. But, you know, most people, if they can, like to go pick out their own dog. So here you got, you know, six, eight, ten little beautiful puppies running around just as happy as they can be. What do you pick?
5: Marty, I try to... If Well, obviously, if I want a male or a female, I've decided that before I get there. So if I want a male, I put all the females up. If I want a female, I put all the males up. Then I put those dogs outside of the kennel area where they have been raised. I want to take them away from where they feel comfortable,
6: mm-hmm.
5: and I watch them. If I've got one that is, that is really shy or the rest of them are beating up on him and bullying him, I may not pick that dog. But I want the dog that is confident, that is bold, that will go off by itself, that's inquisitive, that goes and looks at things, that's maybe wrestling with his with his litter mates. And, you know, that's one of the dogs that I'm going to pick. Mm-hmm. Now, me personally, I will try to go see, and it's not always feasible to do this, but if the litter is close, I'll try to go two or three times. And one of those times, just because i have the ability will take a pigeon with me and I'll clip the wings of that pigeon and I'll throw it on the ground and now I'll watch the dogs and see what they do.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, but you know, you just don't want that dog that's shy. You don't want the dog that's, you know, everybody else who's bullying him around. And after that, Marty, you know, the, you, the dog should stay in its litter till he's eight weeks old. He learns a lot of socialization between the six and eight week period. You know, we used to get dogs up at six weeks. <coughs>
6: mm-hmm.
5: uh, the breeder's ready to get those little things out of his hair, but we, you know, we, now we know that there's a lot of socialization that goes on in that litter between six and eight weeks. So I personally feel that the most important part of that dog's life is between eight weeks and six months of age.
1: Well, you without know, question, to, because all of a sudden, you know, the new owner becomes the
5: mother absolutely
1: and, you, should, you know and, and you that, know, that is, a, that is a,
5: that's a real
1: deal there man i mean you know and so the socialization that that you the dog owner can do with that dog really and truly is is going to separate you know whether that dog is 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 going to be really good i mean yeah i the worst thing you can do is have a dog that doesn't like people and a lot of times dogs no, that don't not. like people don't like people because how they've been treated <laughs> You know, in that time frame you're talking about.
5: That's correct. You know, one of the worst phone calls that we get is, hey, I got a dog. We're looking for some training. You know, we want him to be a gun dog. All right, how old is he? He's seven months. All right, will he retrieve? Well, I don't know. Does he like birds? I don't know. I mean, so you've spent seven months of that dog's life of a dog that you want to be a gun dog, and you've not done anything with him? Yeah, and you don't you know,
1: have a clue. Yeah. Hey, Wes, we're up, <clears throat> we're up on our last break. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do when we come back. You're talking about training. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about, about your operation at uh, Shady Acres Retrievers and and uh, and what services you provide and and all of that. So, folks, stay tuned. When we come back, we've got some great information that may actually help you down the road with your gun dog. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs>
4: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. Think of the world. here on the Voice America Variety
0: Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
4: The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. Voiceamerica.com.
0: You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. That's wing and clay radio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. Oh, boy,
1: let me tell you something. Time really flies when you're having fun, and we're having a great time today because... There's a lot of information coming out of my guest's mouth that a lot of folks probably didn't know. I mean, he's actually he he said some things that I had no idea about. Some of that health testing and things, you know, we we didn't do much of that back when I had uh, when I had my dogs and I had a couple of really really good uh, you know champion retrievers. But hey, folks, don't forget, you know, you I know you can't listen to every show live, but this show is 24/7 on demand. You can you can actually go to wingandclayradio.com. And uh, and access there. If you are a podcast listener, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher all carry Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Just search the show, and every show we've ever done will pop right up there. Uh, let me say this too before we get away from here: My last segment with West is going to be brought to you by my good buddy Jack Homa at ESP. That's Electronic Shooters Protection. Uh, you know, that's what I wear in my ears, and anything over 90 decibels, that digital that digital uh, hearing shuts that down, so I don't have any hearing loss, but I can hear everything, just like regular, and sometimes if I want to, I can turn it up, and I can hear things that I would never hear before, but you check them out, ESPamerica.com, and I think you'll like what you see. I want to get back to West because West, boy, you know, we're talking about those puppies, and... And, you know, we haven't spent much time talking about Shady Acres Retrievers, and I really want to do that. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your operation and and specifically what you do there?
5: Thank you, Marty. Um, We are a, I like to say, a competitive gun dog operation. Um, We train hunting dogs, retrievers. We also do some obedience training. You know, if somebody just needs some obedience training, we we'll, we like to say we will train anything that can bite you higher than your ankle. <laughs> okay, that, all right, that wasn't real funny, but we don't like to take no. Well, that makes sense. Pom poms and shih tzus and stuff. You know, we're we're a big dog training facility. Um, You know, we start. We'll take puppies as young as fourteen weeks, and we have a reduced cost per month on a 14 week old puppy up until they're six months old. And we take those puppies and we get them in the water and we, um, train, you know, we introduce them to birds. We start their obedience training. So it's just kind of a head start program, um, for, for young retrieving dogs before they get, you know, to six months old and bigger. And it, so when they do get to six months and the training fee, gets to what it should be, you know, that dog's already got a head start. Mm -hmm. And then we will take that dog just as far as the client would like us to take him. I mean, I've got some dogs here that are five or six years old, and some of them have been with us for four years. And people don't understand that, Marty. They just, you know, they say, why would somebody have a dog with you for that long? And the way I explain it to them is, you know, some people have racehorses and they don't ride them. They love to see those dogs win. They love to see those dogs compete. And you know, once that dog has been here for a while and he is a major competitor and he's good at what he does, the stud fee is quite high. Or if you have a female dog that's an HRCH master hunter, you know you have a litter of puppies and you've bred her to a really nice stud dog. Now you've got dogs that are, you know puppies that are 12 or 1,500 dollars, a litter of eight or ten, and you know? You're making your money back to support your habit. Most of these guys make their money back to support their habit of buying more dogs and putting them back in competition. It's just well, a, really and a lot of them,
1: atmosphere. Now, I'm going to say, here's the other thing. You know, sometimes, you you know, a guy says, well, can I hunt my own dog? And, you know, I don't think Absolutely. you have any problem. You know, when hunting season comes, you say, hey, you know, come come pick sport up or whatever but you know it is important for you to train the owner a little bit too so that the the, the dog gets the same commands and all of that stuff that you give them and then that way you know I, i can tell you working with a trained dog in the field is truly magical i mean there is so much of a difference between a dog that is properly trained and one that's just doing what the dog wants it's just not even funny
5: marty we even put it in our training contract when the client, before he brings his dog, obviously he has a contract that he signs with us. It tells him what he can expect from us. It tells him what we kind of expect from him. And it says right there in the very first clause that we encourage the owners of these dogs to come here and work with us as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you know, these are hunting dogs and you want this dog to hunt with you. I want you to be able to run this dog and he perform for you as well as he does for me. So we are open to people coming and training with us at any time. You know, we Real. throw birds and we run water setups and, and we shoot the guns. And just like you were doing at a duck hunt and uh, we work off of uh, momar stands and we, you know, whatever it is, that's what we're setting these dogs up to do because that's exactly what we do at these hunt tests. Mm-hmm. A hunt test is not a win, lose, it's a pass or fail. And they set these things up to be as realistic as they possibly can. And we wear camouflage and we wear waders and we blow duck calls. And we shoot guns. They're not live ammunition, but it does have a primer in it, so it goes pile. And, you know, the dogs get used to doing that. And when duck season gets here, they're on their game, man. They're ready to go. They've been there. They've seen that. Well,
1: and the beauty of the hunt test is, is it's not all the, the pro dogs. I mean, this is, this is all the way from puppy right on up to the finished dog.
5: Absolutely. From the started dog, um, it just thrills my soul to see a kid – standing out there on that line, holding his dog by the collar, and they throw a bird and a gunner over here next to him shoots the dog, and he lets that dog go, and that dog bolts out and picks up that bird and brings it back to him to see the excitement on that kid's face is just undeniable. And, you know, that's the future of our sport. That's the Mm -hmm. people that we're wanting, you know, to get into this game and love it and continue it, you know, when we're gone. That's the people that we, we love.
1: Well, I can tell you a big part of the hunt is spending that time with your dog too. Uh hey, Wes, we're about out of time here, buddy. As much as I ha- how do how do people get in touch with you real quick?
5: Marty, we're uh, we're on Facebook at Shade Acres Retrievers. Um, our phone number's there, our emails there, you can message us right there. We are quick to get back to you. We'll answer any questions that we can. Um We we just love to have anybody come out at any time and see our facility and train with us. Whatever we can do to help you. All right, buddy. Listen, I really appreciate it, folks. We are out of
1: time, and I hate that. Uh, Thank you, Westchester Shady Acres Retrievers. Check them out on Facebook. Give Wes a call, folks. We'll see you next time. Be
0: safe, shoot well, and have fun. you for listening to marty fisher's wing and clay nation please join marty again next thursday at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific on the voice america variety channel until next week's show think safety first and good shooting